You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. They arrested me and they put me in jail and they called my pappy to throw my bail. And he said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. That's correct. And good afternoon and happy new year, everybody. Welcome back to the five to go podcast. We've been saving two months up of this NASCAR off season to finally come back and uh, spit some verbs at you, if you will, as, as maybe Jared Yamamoto, your handsome producer, yes. Eric Von Hessel, would some say. Some verbiage. That's a verbiage, yeah. So uh, we, we are back. The whole gang is here. Uh, Doug Fireball Turnbull, traffic reporter on WSU Radio here in Atlanta. And once or twice a year, I get to mess around with the PRN gang and, and go around. We'll be at Atlanta Motor Speedway this year. I'll be with them and at the new Charlotte Roval. We'll talk more about that. I'll get to be a turn announcer there. So that that's my NASCAR credentials. Eric Von Hessler, weekday host of the Von Hessler Doctrine here on WSB and longtime NASCAR observer. How you doing? Yeah, just a fan. No credentials here. Just been going to racing since I was seven. Yeah, he just watched Jeff Bodine before he was ever in NASCAR. That's, that's pretty good. That's correct. And then, so, no, do we even need to say the credentials? Remember the famous famous Elliott Racing family, longtime luminary in the sport, Dawsonville, Dano, Oh, Elliot, how you doing? Doing good. How are y'all doing? Great. Happy New Year. Doing Happy great. Happy New Year. Happy Daytona. Happy Valentine's. <laughs> We're getting ready for it all. It's, I think it's 22 days, 22 or 21 days until the Daytona 500 of February 18th. Atlanta Motor Speedway comes right into our market the very next weekend after that. So just like that, the season is here. The Rolex 24 is this weekend. All the sports cars will be revving up down Daytona Beachway, and some NASCAR drivers will be involved in that. And we've just so got. Do you have do you have your long johns ready for for Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping we. Yeah. I'm hoping if it's weather like we had this week, we'll be yeah. fine. Fifties, thirties, exactly. you know that we we can survive being in the fifties yeah. and having sunshine. And, Hopefully, and they won't be driving on ice. Oh gosh, yep. yeah, that's just as likely though. It's <laughs> especially with what we've had uh, here in Atlanta this winter. Hope you guys both had a great week since since we've uh, been off. We, we, of course, we crowned the champion Truex, but since then, there's been Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, all the resolutions. We're, we're, deep, we're already almost a month deep into 2018. So happy everything to everybody. Right, and, and Kwanzaa and all of that. Yeah, so, of you know, we can't forget that, MLK Day. So, look, he, we're gonna, we run it down. Here's how this works in this podcast you're listening for the first time. Pretty much, we don't give you just every NASCAR news story and analyze it. We pick five things, whether it's overarching subjects in the sport or just certain stories that stuck out to us, and, and we break it down with with Von Hessler's credentials, mine, and of course Dan Elliott's. And we've just gotten done with the NASCAR media tour that usually takes place in Charlotte in the last week of January. I've been on that media tour mm-hmm. a couple of times, uh, but haven't gone in the last couple of years because, frankly, the station doesn't pay me to go. Yeah. Well, you got to pay my own way to go. Mm-hmm. Eh, you know, I don't Let me ask you, didn't they used to move around, but now they just kind of stay in one place, right? Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. So they used to take the whole media on tour buses and they go from shop to shop and you meet with the teams and the teams do their own presentations. Now, uh, at the Charlotte Convention Center, which is adjacent to the NASCAR Hall of Fame, they just bring everybody in the same place, divvied up. Okay, it's time for Gibbs' press conference. And then they have breakaway one-on-ones of the drivers. And there's like a radio row and the TV 
properties get to do whatever they want with them. So that's that's kind of how that goes. Is it well now. attended? Uh, is it? Do they yeah. get a lot of media they, they interest? Get, they yeah. get really the same travel band that goes with them each year. Plus the local affiliates do mm-hmm. some stuff, but it's not as exciting. I, in 2013, when I went for the first time, and I went with Captain Herb, which was awesome because. You know, the, the next year I didn't go with him, and a couple months later he passed away. So mm-hmm. having that time with him was great. But when I went with him, we still went. I think we went to Joe Gibbs Racing and Hendrick Motorsports, but we just went in their conference areas. We didn't go in the shop shop. Yeah, went to Penske and the Ford, uh, the Ford Racing Play. Yeah, the Ford Racing Institution, mm-hmm. whatever. And it's just different now. They just mm-hmm. don't do very many remote boat stuff. They did something at Charlotte Motor Speedway. I think that was it, and that mm-hmm. was pretty fun. Um, but coming out of the media tour, you hear all the drivers use the drinking word excite excitement. Mm-hmm. That's usually what you hear. Everybody, we already know who's going to be where, but there were there been some loose ends so forth, including where Danica Patrick is going to end up. That that news did not surface until this week. We found out last week GoDaddy's coming with her. She knew she was going to have a ride, and and she'll have that in the Indy 500 as well. We didn't know who the heck she was going to drive for because the Ganassi door had closed. And before I get to that, I want to ask Dan: what, Did the media tour exist during the Elliott family days at all? And did they ever come down to Dawsonville? <laughs> no, it it didn't exist at that time, and. You know, the sad part about the media tour now is the fact that you only get the drivers. You don't get the owners or the crew chiefs. Or well, they put the owners and crew chiefs in there. They, they yeah, do. But you, still don't, you still don't get as many as you did before. And it and it's kind of sad the way it's turning out, but can't change that. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty sanitized for sure. It's a very controlled environment. But uh, I, I know from the times that I went, I would go, and the time that I would get to spend with the drivers then, that kind of set the tune tone for the whole season. Gave me all sorts of material for the rest of the year when I was doing PA at, at Gresham or sure. Charlotte or Atlanta. You get stories. Or, and, yeah, yeah. You get things, and since I'm not on the tour each week, I think for those that cover it each week, they're like, okay, mm-hmm. it's just another race weekend almost, you know, three right. days, and, and it's it's just a little different, but it, it's certainly, th- that's really to be the start of the season, because after, the, you know, we're just a couple weeks from Daytona. Um, and so I wanted to talk about Danica Patrick, because that was maybe the biggest silly season news that surfaced. She will have arrived for the Daytona 500. Pretty much at the end of last season, Premium Motorsports bought what was left of Tommy Baldwin Racing, which had scaled to a part-time team. They have a charter, and they're going to field the number seven Chevrolet and the Daytona 500. It's still called Tommy Baldwin Racing. Well, it's it's. I think it will be in this instance, okay. but it's really it's owned by Premium Motorsports. We had the 15 and the 55 car last season, the backmarker team. Mm-hmm. But so, but Tommy Baldwin Racing is going to have it, and Tony Urie Jr was going to be her crew chief, and he worked with her in the Xfinity Series. So that's going to be very interesting to see. But So she has a ride now, and I'd just like to to kick this to y'all. I'll go to you, Eric, first. We knew Danica. We knew when we did our last show that Danica had already said she's not going to continue as a full-time driver, and this was going to be her last deal. Well, what uh, we've already talked about, I guess, about her legacy. But what do you think about this pairing and and just the fact that she was able to get GoDaddy again? The significance of it all. I have always thought that it would be smart for her to do the Daytona 500 and the Indy 500. Now she's she's not, she's not going full time in in the Indy no. series either. I've always Indy 500 should be unless all things be equal, should be her last race. Okay, she's only going to do I mean, it once. She said that. Yeah, I I felt like she would have been smarter to dabble in NASCAR. She had something going in Indy. I know that does not as high profile, but she had won a race over there, which means there was a possibility she could have won another race over there. Yeah. And the Daytona 500, we all know that uh, back marker cars 
can get close to winning and maybe win. And she was in, and if she had done it for a few years, she probably could have had an alliance with a uh, Stuart Haas or something, gotten into some better equipment. I always thought that she would have had a better legacy if she would have stayed in Indy and then jumped into a NASCAR race here and there, maybe a road race here or there. And the restrictor plate races, because we know how bunched up the cars are together and there's a good chance of getting a top 10 and doing more for your legacy. I never thought it was a smart idea for her to become a full-time NASCAR driver. So I think I, she's only doing it for one season, I guess, but I think this is what she been, should have been doing all along. And and she will have support, a bolstered support. She wouldn't have gone to do this without a chance to win, let's be real. Mm-hmm. She's not just, you know, she didn't go to BK Racing with no affiliation. They're going to have Richard Childers affiliation, Earnhardt Childers Motors, and Childers right. Pit Crews. So that, that's the She'll caveat. qualify but, well and probably start in a, in a pretty decent position. Why do you think, before I get to Dan's take on it, why do you think that she should have just been part-time? Do you think just because the odds were stacked against her to be successful? She, I, I just feel like that she was... Uh, look, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of disappointments in Danica's career. She's the best female driver of all time, there's no doubt, because she won an Indy race. Yeah. So uh, I just feel like she had something going over there, and she understood those cars. And to come over and, and try to do what she did, I just thought it was a heavy lift. It's very difficult in NASCAR, especially... I mean, I know Tony Stewart made the switch a long time ago, but we've seen a lot of guys come from Formula One, come from Indy, and yeah. just not be able to figure out the NASCAR situation but while Pablo Montoya won uh, two races, yeah. Dario Fra- Dario Franchini couldn't get okay. anything going. This it, guy's it won was, how many? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he went right back to yeah. India and won again. So so I just so, yeah. thought for her legacy, she had a chance to win a couple more races over there. Always being in the Indy 500 means didn't she come in third in the Indy 500 right. one year? I just on, feel yeah. like that's where she was, where she was. And then yeah, jump into a road course, jump into a, a restrictor plate race where you got a chance of placing top ten. Uh, that, uh, interesting take, you know, and uh, a lot of people said just stick to one or the other, but mm-hmm. yeah, g- mm-hmm. do a little bit of both. I like that. So, Dan, what do you think? You know, I think what, uh, let's go beyond Daytona and Indy. Did they say anything much, or have you heard anything much about her career and what her career will be after Daytona and Indy? And I think. She's a fitness. Like I think winery. that certainly she could jump in the booth, right? If she wanted to, I, I, I would well, think she has an interest in it. I, I hadn't heard anything about any anything else other than the two races this coming year. So I was curious as to beyond that, uh, what's uh, what's in Danica's future, and what are we going to look to see out of her in the next five years to come. I think she's got a fitness guru thing going on with the yoga. Yeah. So I think that's where she's going to make her money. Out. Yeah. Yeah. She's got book. Uh, she's got a clothing line, uh, wine. She, yeah. she's, she has said that she's planned forward to be, you know, more business affiliated. Most of the stories affiliated. you see about her now is that she's dating Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> that's most of the stories. Yeah. yeah which see. for those who didn't know, <laughs> it, it, Ricky Stenhouse showed up to the banquet. He was one of the, you know, top uh, playoff drivers showed mm-hmm. up to the banquet didn't have Danica with her. People started going, hmm, hmm, what's up with that? And then they announced their breakup, and then right after that she was seen in public with Aaron Rodgers. So, And it was funny because at the 2013 media tour, the first I went on, that was the media tour where they announced, 
hey, yeah. you know, right at the end of the tour, they said, hey, we're we're together, and she had just gotten divorced. You know, so I'm yeah. like, gosh, that's you know, fast driver, she rebounds fast yeah. too. Yeah. I guess. Well, you it's, know, but you know, also the thing is, business, it's none of our business. But yeah. hey, we talk here all the time about how how can NASCAR get more into the pop culture, get more, yeah. the, you know, whether we like it or not, the fact that she's dating Aaron Rodgers is going to get a lot more stories than really uh, Tommy Baldwin racing. It, yeah. yeah, and it was interesting. That's exactly right. Yeah, it really, really, that's that's true. I, I hope that that Aaron Rodgers shows of the Daytona 500. That'd, that'd be, be great. cool. That'd, that'd be great for the sport, yeah. and they, and a lot of celebrities do. So that it would be, it would be even better if he, she was doing Atlanta and he showed up there. But a lot of celebrities show up at the 500, so maybe be overshadowed. But <laughs> Danica's legacy complicated, and I don't think anybody could say that in NASCAR, except for the idea of it inspired young women that, to know, hey, I could get in a stock car one day. Could we measure it as a success? She did win the 2013 poll for the 500 and finished yeah. at the top 10, was leading with like eight to go. I was in the media center in Daytona with that. That was exciting, let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it didn't pan out that the way. The question is whether uh, the fact that she's the first female driver to do what she's done in Indy and in NASCAR, have a ride like that, to You know, a lot of you know, a lot of male drivers have the same kind. I don't know. I would, where would I put her? Um, uh, I don't know. Jeff Green? Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, although three, although yeah, he, although he certainly had a good what we call now the Xfinity, yeah. he had a good Xfinity career, and, and she didn't. Um, an awful lot of drivers get into NASCAR and ride around twenty fifth or worse, and they didn't get there because they weren't any good. You don't get there if you. I mean, every once in a while you got you got dab with money that happens every once in a while, but oh, yeah. for the most part, more, more often. And, you know, if you get to the NASCAR level, you you've won some races somewhere else, and some guys just get in, just don't make it happen. Now it is true she was in some great equipment. Yeah, she was in some great equipment and didn't make it happen. So that's that's on her too. But I've seen that I've seen that happen to. Uh, Plenty of dudes who come into NASCAR. It's not the first time. Yeah, we shouldn't single her out. She's not the best, down. obviously, but she's not the worst either. Yeah, I think that's a very fair assumption. So on to the next one here. So someone who is, and she's not old, okay? She's only in her mid-30s, but out, as far as drivers moving on, out with the old, okay? And in with the new, we've seen such an influx of younger drivers here in, in recent years. In fact, someone, I think on like NASCAR Reddit or something, listed all the full-time or, or suspected to be full-time drivers, and the median age is 30. Yeah. The median age. All right, the average age, I think, is younger, but the median age is 30. And Jimmy Johnson is the elder statesman at like 42, 43 years old. Harvick's right up there with him. And Kyle Busch, the, the, probably the shot heard around the world from the media tour was Kyle Busch, when asked, complaining about NASCAR spending so much energy promoting the younger drivers. The Xfinity Series names are made here, and you've learned about them. They come into Cup. It's all about Blaney and what's Bubba Wallace going to do and Chase Elliott, Eric Jones, Suarez, yada, yada. And so when asked about it, he said, I want to read the quote exactly, all right? He said, and I quote, all you're doing is advertising all these younger guys for fans to figure out and pick up on and choose as their favorite driver. I think it's stupid. I don't know. I'm not the marketing genius that's behind this this deal. So just do what I do, and my part is my, what my part is. Right. And he went on to say that he thought that the younger drivers, because they were younger, NASCAR could bully them into doing more appearances. So it, that's not the word, but that's the the implication. And so, Dan, I'll, I'll pitch to you as a guy who has marketed Gresham Motorsports Park, a guy that's worked in racing for a long time. What do you think about 32-year-old Kyle Busch's notion that – it, it is it is unfair, I guess, for market younger drivers so much instead of the guys like him. Well, you know, this is one of those things where 
any answer you give is probably going to be the wrong answer or, <laughs> or all the answers are going to be the right answer. But, you know, we talked about it last year. We touched on the fact that the emphasis is going away. And I don't know if NASCAR is pointing it in this direction or if the sport is just gravitating to that direction, Doug, because you look at it and you look at all the young people coming in and, and it could be a deal to where the owners have something to do with this also because oh, sure. they're the ones that's putting these drivers in the cars. But as we said last year, the fact of the matter is, is the veterans cost you a ton of money and the ones that come in, the, the young kids that are coming in are bringing money. Right. And, and I think on, on any level, you follow the money trail and you'll see what it's all about. But I can, I can see his point of view on some of that because it doesn't take long in, in any sport to be forgotten about. Yeah. And, and whenever you're a veteran, much like the other drivers that we talked about last year also that are at what we consider or what the sport considers retirement age and, 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 definitely not retirement age for sure but even kenseth drivers like that that have that have come through really paid their dues you know it it really is sad to see what is changing and how it's changing but i really don't know what a person's going to do about it you know i i think uh i I get his point and i i think he's probably right in the sense that i don't know how successful it's going to actually push the sport to push a lot of people that people don't know. But on the other side of it, you know, one of the things we should talk about this, Jimmy Johnson is one of the greatest uh, race car drivers we've ever seen. There's no sure. doubt about that. And he has won, what is he, he's up to seven? Is he, is he seven tied? Championships, so, so he's yeah. tied Petty he's at the and top Earnhardt. Four or five and wins and uh, nobody in the country knows who he is. I, I, I just I, don't understand. I, I, this how? is what this is one of the premier athletes in the world, and some of it has to be on him. I mean, he's a good guy, he's a nice guy, but he's not saying anything in interviews that interest people. He's not, you know, people used to when Dale Jr. was younger. I mean, he would you hear stories that he's out on his farm and people are shooting guns and or yeah. whatever. And there he was, was like MTV Cribs. There was a, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was something going on there. But Jimmy Johnson, although one of the best drivers of all time, no doubt has has not elevated the sport with his story. He is, you know, you think of these tennis players that win for eight or ten years. They become household names to people who never watch tennis. And Jimmy Johnson didn't do that. And so on, on one hand, you've got the, one of the greatest drivers of all time who's a veteran that can't seem to get any interest on the national yeah, stage. But if, but if Jimmy Johnson divorced and started going with Danica, that would be There you go. There you go. Yeah, and Aaron didn't know about I, it. So I guess yeah. he didn't he didn't challenge but it is. It's yeah. gotten to be what you said in yeah. pop pop culture. Right. Right. And, but I mean and it's and it's got to be newsworthy, but NASCAR has also neutered a lot of the drivers to mm-hmm. the fact that they can't talk about anything without being uh what's the word here? Um if if you Slap get wrist. <laughs> over over passionate about something you you get pushed back yeah. so i guess a lot of the drivers have learned you know you have to be careful what you say and it's gotten to the point now that 
They just don't say a whole lot of anything. When Tony Stewart won his championship, especially the first couple, he was known the next year that he would challenge NASCAR, he would challenge the authorities, he'd complain about things, and that would make news because the champion is challenging the people who run the sport. And it, it creates, look, all the essence of drama is conflict. If you don't have conflict, you don't have a story. And and so I think right we talked I've talked about this before. There's too many good guys in the sport. Now I, good guys are needed. White hats are needed, but black hats are needed too. And it's the confrontation between the two. So maybe what they should be trying is a confrontation between the veterans and these young guys. Maybe that's well, what, the story they should be pushing. What I'm going to do for 2018 is I'm going to say that this is the I'm going to consider this the birth year of N1 because I think uh, NASCAR one is, is going to be aligning itself much in how it markets itself as F1. Oh, really? Because I, I, hmm. I think that, that NASCAR wants to be able to say at the end of the deal, I've read a lot about F1 over the off season and the fact that the teams are worth so much money, the charters, the franchises, whatever you want to call it, and I think to bring it to that level is definitely because I've tried to figure out for a long time why they're going in the direction that they're going in. And as I said last year, they must be happy with it because they're not changing anything. So I'm going to start the season with N1. <laughs> and uh, N, N1 is alive and well. See, and what's interesting, the one thing that Formula One has that no other motorsport really does is a worldwide. They go all over the world. Right. And so that's naturally going to be more money. If you make it to F1, you could be the 20th place F1 driver. That's like yeah, being, but Doug, you, you know, can do the same thing in the continental U.S. because you're the, you're the only game and the biggest game in town. Yeah, and so it used could, to be, You yeah. could definitely control this continent right here. You, you can control that to the nth degree. Yeah. Yeah, but they're, they're, a lot of the races are are, are are too close to each other in, in regions, especially the southeast. Um, so it's easy. To, that's why a lot of the – you can go to one race or you can go to another race. The one thing about Formula One, if you're in China and you want to see a Formula One race, there's one race a year. So you got to go to that mm-hmm. race. Right. Um, so you don't really have options. Um, but there, or you can watch you know, it on TV. Or you can watch it on TV, yeah, exactly. And there's a very yeah. – you know, to play into what you've said on this podcast before, Eric, about the schedule – Formula One's got like twenty races a year, yeah, or something races. like that. <laughs> I still, you know, I still think, and and I'll I'll beat that drum again. I don't. I think that the I think that we should start when we start, and I think the the thing should be over, maybe a month into the NFL season. I'll be honest with you. It's yeah. just it's just it's too long. So so you're going to go adopt the Bowman Gray uh, schedule as far as races because Bowman Gray pretty much that's. And they've done extremely well oh, there, yeah. and and it's one of those anomalies that just keeps going on, kind of like snowball derby. It right. just keeps going on and on, life of its own. Yeah, and it's you know anything is the the rarer something is, the more precious it is. The more you have of something, mm-hmm. the less precious it is. And there's just two. What is it? There's, there's thirty six points races, right? Yes. Then, then you add the All Star race, all the, the uh, all the, the the clash. So you end up with thirty eight races. Um, and and I'll be honest with you, I think the All Star race is absolute. There's no re- the All Stars are at every race. Yeah, <laughs> every race you go to, the All Stars are. It's not like race. other sports where there's and a whole it's bunch at the of same teams. Same track every year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I, I think that's I think that's a waste of time. Um, I one, think they ought to do the All Star race where the driver pits his own car. 
Uh, <laughs> something like, you know, the All-Star race is like, uh, NFL deals with this with the Pro Bowl. Isn't the Pro Bowl this weekend? Nobody cares. Yeah, it's in Honolulu. Know? And they try to like get, make it better with, oh, they're going to play dodgeball. I still don't care. Yeah, I'm not they did the dodgeball it. thing last night. Yeah, 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 I mean, I don't care. I, I, it's, I'm more interested in the All-Star weekend, actually. I like the pit crew challenge more than the actual race. And they don't make as big a deal out of that. Yeah. Anymore. They, no, they wrap they wrap the pit stops into the qualifying. I don't mm-hmm. think the pit crew challenge is even a thing actually. Yeah. Anymore. So uh, it should be twenty six races. Yeah. To, that's in. That's, After twenty, you'd be. Uh, I would twenty, and then you're into the chase. However, you'd want to do it. All Eighteen in the chase. Is and one. And one. And one. And one. one. <laughs> <laughs> well, so on another thing, since we're talking about the direction of the sport, the younger drivers seem to, and and we'll go into our th- third subject here, five to go. The younger drivers seem to be very reachable in social media and seemed to agree to a lot more stuff. And so when Kyle Busch spoke out, of course, there was this natural reaction. Bubba Wallace called his reports or called his complaint dumb, stupid, I think some other words mm-hmm. used. And and Ryan Blaney said, look, I could just go home and sit on the couch in all my free time, but I agree to this stuff because I care about the future of the sport. Sure. Even Brad Keselowski at 33 years old kind of said the same <laughs> thing, that I understand the veteran drivers feel like the sport is maybe damaged behind, beyond where they know how they could even fix it. And they think, and they, and he even said that some of the stuff that the drivers do now is maybe pointless into helping the sport now. But you don't know what seeds you're planting for later. Well, that's true. And, and so, I mean, so Eric, what do you think? Is younger drivers being involved as they do on social media integral to the success? Is are the problems too big for that to even push I it? Think, I, I don't know. I think that it's probably a good thing. You want to keep up with the media and what the media is of the day. But I think sometimes the problem with uh, older people, such as ourselves and the people who run NASCAR, when you think thank about you. thank you, Eric, <laughs> <laughs> trying try to uh, uh, try to tap into youth culture is we don't really understand it. We don't know why. A video goes viral. Yeah. You can't make a video go viral. You can't. So obviously, the younger driver drivers are good for that. Let me tell you what you should promote and the stories that you should tell. Winners. Uh-huh. Winners. Uh-huh. People who win races. Because people who win races keep a fan base. Uh, people might think a, a driver's cute, and that's why they like him at first. Or they might see one race where they do something really special. But if the driver then doesn't place in the top five for the next ten races, that fan base is going to drop off. Whoever is winning, or whoever's placing in the top five consistently, those are the drivers that the sport should rally around and tell their stories, because because if you're going to bring in new people, guess what? They don't want to become their favorite driver to drive around in 15th place all the time. They want to be with a winner. Dan, how hard was it or easy when you were running Gresham Motorsports part to get drivers to be involved in the things you wanted to do extracurricular besides the track? And then my second question to you, Dan, is what what were these obligations like for Bill and for, for you and uh, Ernie when y'all were running the race team? All right, let's go to Gresham and what you're trying to do with all the drivers and all the different people. Okay, so you would try to put something together and everybody went their own direction. <laughs> that's that's the thing about social media that, that people don't understand is everybody can take their own little program and go in any direction they want to go in at any time. Yeah. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to follow anything. It, it's kind of like uh, texting instead of phoning, you know, you, you can answer it or not. You, you can talk to who you want to talk to and, and the heck with everybody else. So, so you ended up with, if you had 30 different drivers and you were trying to get together, 
and have a, a, a driver autograph session or something for the track, well, they just did one of their own. They took it and did what they wanted to do with it. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Okay, yeah. so, so there's the deal because I was thinking the other night, the most news that I've heard out of any driver over the offseason is Danica. That's and it wasn't for the racing. It was for who she was dating. Yeah. So go back to what Eric said in the pop culture deal. I think the young drivers are all going in their own different direction. And I think they're all trying to put as much stuff on there, whether they do it or not. They are trying to show that they are multicultured. They go everywhere. They do everything. And everybody's wishing they were them. Yeah, they're rock stars in their exactly. own little way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's exactly. I think the accessibility is uh, is certainly just the, having it there mm. through social media. The drivers that are really good at, with it, I think of Blaney and Bubba Wallace is number one. They mm. they're fantastic. I think Keselowski. Well, Keselowski really yeah. was the one that he really kind of started it. Yeah, when he started. had his phone in the yeah. uh, car in the day, the 2012 Daytona 500. I yeah. think that really that's it. You're yeah. you're texting from the car. You're you're doing blah, whatever you're doing. <laughs> you're doing it all from the car as it's all going on real time, and that's what drew the people. The the tweet that really that made NASCAR then decide, hey, you can't have your phones in the car or whatever, yeah. was when he took the picture of the jet dryer when they were under the red flag and he and the jet dryer that Montoya just run into and exploded. He said, Hey, look at this. <laughs> yeah. And, but, and they're like, what's, Wait, what? what's wrong with this? Why do you want to stop that? <laughs> yeah. When you've got the kids you're trying to promote and that's their culture. That's what they do. That's how they get their following is by doing this. That's so what's e- wrong with That's it? exactly what I'm talking about, where you have uh, people at the top of the sport who don't understand it. They want to use it. No. They don't understand it. Fires, why do you think every local news team has a helicopter? Because when a fire, <laughs> when a, there's a fire, they could put it on local news and people stop and watch. So you got to tell somebody, yeah, but, to, you know. But even if they helicopter, look at where most of the news comes from. It now comes from your cell phone. Yes. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Everybody, everybody is a reporter now. Mm-hmm. It's not just reporters out and about. They cover the main stories that most people don't have access to. But most of the news now comes from your cell phone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and if one of these young drivers jumps up and wins three or four races, you know, if Eric Jones, if Chase jumps up and wins three or four races, the, it will, the story will begin to become obvious and it'll start telling itself. And then NASCAR will just have to get behind it and give it a little bit of a boost. Yeah, and so look, I think NASCAR, they switched their campaign. In re- well, they, this is what they said themselves. They switched their campaign from in the past being just about the commercials being really just about the on-track confrontations to making it about stars. Yeah. And here's the deal. Kyle Busch, NASCAR even said when he was a young driver, they didn't do enough to market him as the young next big thing. But the reason why is he was so much younger. The guys that were just coming into their own, Johnson, yeah. Harvick, Stewart, you had this huge crop that was just they were, they they were the younger drivers really, and Bush was just so much younger and only a couple of years behind. And then right after Bush, you had this really robust 2006 rookie class: mm-hmm. Truex, yeah, Hamlin, Boyer, uh, Sorensen was in that. David Strimmey was in that. You know, you go down the list, even ones that are not in the sport anymore. That was a huge 2006, and so now mm-hmm. you've had this drought from 06. You've had a few. Really, no, not much of rookie classes at all, yeah. and then you get into these well, last couple. There are of only years. so many rides. You can't have a whole crop yeah. of new young kids every year. There's exactly. only you know, there's and only these what, are thirty eight the rides. Here's another reason I think Kyle Busch is upset. So he, here's some things. No, number one, he loses the championship to a driver that's driving his equipment mm-hmm. that's not on his team. 
that they're helping, and he and they run circles around him. And it's Truex, and Truex, I'm sorry, is not mentioned in the same sentence with Kyle, but maybe now a little bit, but he's sure. Bush is a virtuoso, so he's he's got that chip on his shoulder. Then he's not getting marketed like the younger drivers. And here's two other things he complained about, by the way, on the media tour. and the truck series, his team has been throttling the competition. Well, in the truck series, they have a spec engine now. Oh. And he's up. He's like, look, right. Toyota, they have brand identity from the body mm-hmm. and from the motor, and now you're messing with the motor. Mm-hmm. Here's another one. This is a little wrinkle. Austin Dillon just blurted this out in, in his media availability this week that the data that they were able to share from the electronic fuel injection, the EFI, the throttle tracing and, and di- different telemetry that was that was available just within the teams is now being made available to everybody. Mm. It's going into because teams were finding back doors into the NASCAR computer system and looking at everybody's data. And Kyle Busch is like, I, I barely even want my teammates to see my data. And mm. now, and you know, and now Ryan Truex can look at it, yeah. you know, or whoever, yeah. or, or somebody can. It's, and so that's well, let me just say, I'm, I'm glad yeah. that Kyle Busch is complaining because, like I said, I think that makes news. He needs the black so, hat. It's, yeah. it's, so people can, you know, I like, I, I like the story. Kyle Busch, I'll go out there and show these kids how it's done. That should be the story that's out there, and the young kids that, that are coming in trying to trying to compete. But now, when you say all of this sharing of stuff and all that, is that are they trying to address what we talked about a lot last year, which is how much it cost Parity. entry level entry the, the into teams the sport were apparently for what it was implied is that teams are spending money to find backdoor ways to get that oh. information and so they're like look if gibbs has all that info <laughs> it's it, so okay the we can't is stop gone. this we can't stop that so we're just going to make sure that right. that uh matt benedetto and go fast racing is right. going to have it too right. and nascar's arguments well it was already available to the fans that have race view well race view that it was not as raw the day i mean you know sure, there's still some errors in that data so mm-hmm. okay two, two more subjects i got to hit eric i know you got to go in a few minutes here uh i want to talk real quickly about just maybe one or two things each of you dan and eric and we're here with Dan Elliott, Eric Von Hessler, and I'm Doug Turnbull on the Five to Go podcast. Uh, Dan Elliott, what's maybe something you hope to see in 2018? Because we've, it's so easy to, for 10, 11 years, people have just been whopping the sport with a baseball bat. <laughs> what's something you hope to see, an expectation you have for this race season? You know, I'm so, I'm so frustrated about what I've seen already as far <laughs> as 2018. That just, just surprised me. Heck, fire. I'm, I'm not asking for Surprise. anything anymore. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the ride this year and see where it goes to. But um, I think there are going to be some know, surprises this year. I, I just, my prediction is we will be surprised by the emergence of something or someone. I, absolutely. Every time I say I won't be surprised, yeah, I get surprised. So every time we go to Daytona, I thought in all the years, Pice, that we go to Daytona and all the things that come out of Daytona because they've never ceased to amaze me on putting something together that comes out of Daytona that was a big surprise as as you talked about it was it's always been something every year but you know um do you think we'll see any more changes in the point system this year are there going to be something that that comes along that that makes 2018 another different year and I say yes I say there's a lot of things coming because the sport still continues to evolve and and as I said earlier, N one is alive and well. <laughs> I uh, I well, I'll tell you the things that I look for. Obviously, going into Daytona, I'm always interested to find out which team will be caught cheating and uh, get in trouble. <laughs> it seems to happen almost every year. Anyways. The Fords have a chip on their shoulder, by the way, because they felt like they were getting outrun by 
Toyota and, and Chevrolet is going to have a new Camaro they're, down they there. They got outrun yeah. by everything. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And so the Fords, I think, they, they, they were complaining a lot from Kozlowski, mm-hmm. some from Logano, I think. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what, what yeah, the Fords what cook up for uh, Daytona I, Beach. Uh, yeah. I have... Uh, I'm interested in Hendrick. I want to, you know, I'm I'm interested in Chase. Obviously, I want to yeah. see if this is the year. He's seven runner up, seven runners up, now. right? And and you know, it's interesting. Last year, I felt like even though Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson went jumped up and won three races last year, right? Before but the midway point of the season. Outside of that, I felt like Chase's program was the stronger program, and Hendrick Undoubtedly. consistently. Undoubtedly. Um, so it'll be interesting to me to see if um, if he jumps up and wins some races. I would. What I would like to see is I'd like to Eric, see Eric. I believe that the if is like golly Pete, would you bet against it this year? I wouldn't bet against it. No, no. no I wonder what happened with Hamlin. No He's going to be driving like a bat out of hell. Knowing what I know from last year, and and there's no way that you'd ever bet against that program for this year at all. And and to me, that'll be no surprise at all. Yeah, and, I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to that. But what I would like to see uh, is not only Chase win a few races. I'd like one of the other one, whether it's Eric Jones or one of these. I'd like somebody else to win a couple of races. And if we're going to have this young driver thing, I don't want just one. I want I want to see two or three of them do pretty well, so we can get down to the end of the season and let's have a let's find out who who's uh, who are frenemies here. Who's you know and and may, it'd be great if it was Chase winning races, Eric Jones winning. Some races, a veteran jumps up and wins some races. That's what I'd like to see. Not just one of these young drivers do it, but a couple of them break out. Yeah, Ryan Blaney is going to be Ryan a Blaney. this year. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I, that's what, if I don't know what we're going to see, what I would want to see is if we have this crop of young drivers, not only just one of them jump out and do something, but a couple of them so that we can get a, a, a good old-fashioned rivalry going. And the two rookies of the year that'll be full-time running for rookie of the year are Bubba Wallace of the 43 mm-hmm. and William Byron, who will be in the 24 because Chase Elliott will He's be in the, the 9, nine library right. this year with the same 24 team, but would be the 9 car. What was the 5 team will become same the Same sponsor? Uh, Chase, yeah, he'll have Napa and right. Hooters and, okay. and so forth, and William Byron will have Exalta and Liberty University and so forth. Uh, and, so, and, Doug, did you hear any much about uh, them talking about the five crew members over the wall instead of seven? Or, there's or been some talk the about that. People? Yeah, so, that, so there will be five crew members going over the wall instead mm-hmm. of six. Remember, the, the teams are going to have very limited rosters coming to the track. So what it's going to mean is you won't have two tire carriers. Okay. They're going to have to mix up who carries that other tire and get it around. Is that going to make for longer pit yes. stops? Yes, it's going to make. Are we going to go back to fourteen or something, or thirteen? Well, I, you know, I here's the prediction though. Probably, you know, by the end of the season, they're going to figure it out, it out right. how to have it within a second of what they have. But I don't think you're going to be seeing those eleven point three stops anymore. Is that another cost saving move. Uh, yeah, I think we have less, to applaud that. Take we can, less people right, to the track sure. and less people behind the scenes of the racetrack right. too. The rosters right. you have to submit a Doug, roster to NASCAR. Do you want to hear a cost saving move? <laughs> What's that? Take away one airplane from each team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and melt it down and make it into race cars. There you go. There you now, go. Just take away, take away, just tell them to park the airplane. You can only take one airplane to each race. Or that, not a bad idea. That would be a, that would be a cost-saving move. Well, you could argue in the long run, flying commercial over all that time would, would add up, I guess. But that, that is no, a great point. I'm talking about get their butt in the truck and go right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. Hey, so real quickly here before we go, I know Eric has to go in a moment. I want to reflect that since our uh, very last podcast in late November last year, right after the end of the season, we've lost Bud Moore, the Hall of Fame NASCAR owner, who uh, who uh, and Robert. Uh, no, Robert Yates. Robert died Yates not right we talked about that, yeah. yeah, we talked about Robert Yates. We hadn't talked about Bud Moore, who's a Ford driver. Dan, I want to talk to you real quick about uh, knowing Bud Moore. I'm sure being a Blue Oval, there were some time spent together in the garage. 
you know, that was one of the toughest men. He was, uh, he was on the beach at Normandy, wasn't he? Yes. You know, I never, from, from being around him in the early years and not knowing him as well as I did as, as I aged through the sport, I did not realize how tough that man was, but you know, it goes back to all of the people that came through NASCAR in the early years and how tough they are. Right. Our first but champion, he, Red Byron, was, had leg shrapnel, you know, shrapnel yeah. his leg. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it's just unbelievable to me, the stories. And, and these just ended up being on a daily basis. They were just another one of the guys, never did anything exceptional in their lives. And every one of them have a story to tell that is very exceptional. Yeah, I just say just you know just giant of the sport. I I, I exactly. miss I'm I miss I miss those uh, those those drivers. I miss those owners. I miss I miss those programs. I yeah. uh, you know I, when I was always independent. Yeah. He didn't have yeah. a four car team or yeah. anything like. He but was, I just mean like like Dan's talking about just the grit, just the yeah. uh, the the types of uh, of guys and uh, and and thinkers too. You know, not just tough, mm-hmm. not just physically tough, Brilliant. but guys who are clever and and uh, could improvise on the spot. He, he you did know? that in the war. He came up with yeah. a way to to shoot more out of his gun or something something yeah. along yeah. those lines. Make his gun more automatic than it was and and he also managed to finesse his way into rounding up a whole house yeah. but he he negotiated the surrender of a house a yeah. bunch of Nazis instead of instead of having them rounded to well, kill you know, people. A lot, okay? you know, I mean, a, lot, a lot of guys, let's face it, people, they came home from war. They were a little bit bored with the mundane everyday. That's yeah. how we get the excitement of racing. Yeah. You know, these guys had, you know, they, they had lived adrenaline rushes in their lives. And just coming back and working at the corner store wasn't getting it done, you know. And so that's a lot, a lot of these guys who began NASCAR are just you know heroes in other elements of their lives long before we ever heard of them, and uh, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to 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 him and and that entire generation for creating a sport that I mean I was born in 1964. I didn't start going to short tracks until 1970, 71, 72. But um, those are the types of guys that were in the you know you used to be able to walk all over the infield and after the race was over and before yeah. the race and 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 those were the guys. They were just uh, Blood, sweat, and tears, man. You know, a lot of dirt on the face. That's I've said it before. That's what NASCAR is missing right now. They're not enough. Those guys get out of the cars. They take off their helmets. They look like supermodels. Yeah, they do. <laughs> it, it's, it, yeah, and, and even the mechanics do in a way. Yeah. So, but, but rest in peace, Bud Moore. Over 60 wins as a car owner. He won a title as a crew chief for Buck Baker in 57. Two titles with Joe Weatherly as his driver. before, And then Weatherly got killed tragically out. And I think it was in Riverside, California, in a wreck there in the mid-60s. And, and he also won the 70. Daytona 500 for Bobby Allison. And yes, I did just read all that right before we go on. I don't just have all that memorized. But, <laughs> no, no, you're a genius. <laughs> sure, sure. An- another passing, too. And this is less of the NASCAR ranks, but what he did in very brief glimpses in NASCAR is incredible. Dan Gurney, mm. who drove for the Wood Brothers and won a lot on the out, out in Riverside, California. Uh, Dan, did you ever meet Dan Gurney at all, or was that, or did those uh, ships never cross in the night? Bet Dan Gurney, and um, what a what a road course driver he was. Golly, Pete, he was good, and he was so and, insistent on being an independent driver, driving his own car. He had his own, and I don't know what it was called, I, but yeah. he had his own chassis that he built for Formula One and an Indy car. What it was called back then. Mm-hmm. That, that it probably cost him wins, but he was so insistent on being on his own. That's mm-hmm. another sort of toast to him in a way. You know, these guys, uh, we, we've kind of lost that now because uh, NASCAR drivers are all uniformly, as they come into the sport, 
are are pretty decent road racers now, but the days of the ringers that used to come in and yeah. just do the and you would get you would you would see flashes of these great drivers from uh, other other series that would come in and we lose that now. I mean, I, I guess the last one was Boris said kind of yeah, uh, Boris really, said Ron Fellows. Yeah, it was it was still they, going they still on. Happens it was to still, the Xfinity and Truck series. Yeah, it was still going on in NASCAR pretty recently, right up through the kind of late nineties, early two thousands, somewhere around two thousand four, two thousand five. Tony Stewart and Jeff Gordon just started leading the way. Like you know, no, we just we can we can race on these things yeah. and then the new drivers and, coming in saw it as that's part of the sport and I've got to know how to race on those tracks. Well, there was no racing middle class and right. so with those those teams what you'd see is Boris said and Ron Fellows come to these kind of middle teams yeah. where they weren't as invested in the drive you yeah. know they weren't going to win the points and they didn't have the sponsor but they could place much, well in one race they could place well in one race well my right? friend Andy Lally who I want to give a shout out he'll yes. be driving this weekend uh, the Daytona 24 is this weekend yes. right he'll be driving this weekend so good luck to him but he's done it a couple years in a row in the Xfinity series uh, taking a car that you know right. didn't place above 25 the SS Greenlight yeah. number 07 yeah. and yeah. almost winning so you're right you still do see it in the in the lower series yeah and they race more uh, each the Xfinity and truck race uh, three road courses a year so mm-hmm. and, and and one extra road course will be added to the NASCAR schedule oh, we're goodness. not going to discuss it but the Charlotte Roval which they have taken a few turns out of to make it a little bit faster lap 2.28 miles at Charlotte Motor Speedway September the 30th and so that'll Is it be all flat no, no oh, have they put hills in and stuff? No, there's there's, there's a thirty foot elevation change. Okay, so okay. yeah, it's it's going right. to be interesting, and they should have video online. You also check it out. PRM will have that broadcast, by the way, and I'll get to be part of that team in the turns. Well, awesome. Eric, I know you got a got a call. You got to jump on here, and uh, Dan, I I know you're busy working in your shop up there in Dawsonville, but we're we've we're dropped the green flag for five to go, and we're going to try to get on weekly for you here uh, through through as much as we can in the NASCAR season. So any parting I, shots? I fellas? just wish they'd run that roval through the grandstand. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that they come down the tunnel. Yeah, they have a tunnel. That's great. Like, uh, like uh, yeah, Monte Carlo. They could do the back straightaway real easy and and go up where where the seats used to be up on above the track, so the roval could go outside of the track. I think that'd be sweet. Any oh uh, yeah, uh, parting words for me is I'm just I'm happy. I'm I'm ready for more racing, and uh, I just hope they deliver. I just hope they deliver. I want to see good. Hard racing uh, from 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 great racers, and I don't know a lot of these young guys. I don't know William Byron. I don't. I, I'm hoping that these people put on a, a hell of a show. Because don't forget, at the end of the day, you have your favorite driver. You don't you, people you don't like. It's a show. Yeah. I, I want. I, I don't have a favorite driver. I'm in love with race weekend. I love a great race. I love pre race. I love when the things you know start the engines. That's what I'm all about. Yeah. And then if with uh, five or ten left, if there's a couple of guys that are in the mix, maybe I'll say, hey, I want this guy to win. I love great racing, and that's what I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, uh, I thought a little bit of last year was a little bit of a dud. I'm hoping this year will be more exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tweet a whole lot more in 2018. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I'd love to see you on social media more, Dan. I'm going to tweet a lot more in 2018. Uh, do it, buddy. Right. Do it. We'll tweet a link to this podcast. Folks, like us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group, 5 to go. We put the link up each week here. You can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. And and Eric Von Hessler, while they're subscribing to this on iTunes, they might as well go ahead and jump over to the Von Hessler the Doctrine. The Von Hessler Doctrine. 400,000 downloads now? Yeah, well, a month. Uh, the Von Hessler Doctrine, known as the fastest-growing radio show in America. Oh. So you might as well jump on. 
<laughs> Fantastic. Don't be left behind. Do that. Yeah, listen, it's, it's catching fire here in Atlanta. Congratulations, Eric, by the way. It was exactly a year ago, like mid-January of last year, when you started having the weekday show yeah. instead of the weekend show. And, yeah. and then just since September or October, whatever, you moved up into the 9 to it's 11 weird. slot. I'm it, 53 years old, and this is the best job I've ever had. I can't believe it took so long, but I couldn't be happier. I love it. We're, it's an honor to have you here. Same to you, Dan, as well, with all the experience and knowledge you bring. It's good to work with you again after being up with the aggression a few years ago. Well, folks, thanks so much for joining our first episode of 2018. I'm Doug Turnbull. He's Eric Von Hessler. The other he is Dan Elliott, and we will talk to you soon.